Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 13 this morning. Romans chapter 13. We'll look at just a few verses from there in just a minute. During the last week of January 1969, a relatively unknown band at the time went to the studio to cut their first album and record some songs to go on their first album. Their first song that they cut that week wouldn't get released as a single until 1970, the following year, and it climbed up to number seven in the Billboard charts. With that familiar brass section that they had, familiar sound and the familiar lyrics that we all know so well. The band of Chicago and the song, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? And you know, we, the longer the Lord tarries, the words to that chorus can apply so well today. We look around and we say, does anybody really know what time it is spiritually and does anybody really care it doesn't seem that way when you look around the world we can certainly see that so that's the title of the message this morning what time it is not not a question not what time is it but a statement what time it is you know we all like to know what time it is It's very important to know what time it is. We all have things in our daily lives that we do, whether it be school or work or doctor's appointments. We have to have a schedule. We have to know what time it is for all those things that we do. And it's very frustrating if we don't know. Our president got into a little bit of trouble the last week or 10 days for glancing at his watch during the ceremony when they brought the remains back for the uh, soldiers that lost their lives in Afghanistan. And he looked at his watch and they caught him in the video, caught him in the photo. But we, we want to know what time it is. It's frustrating when you don't know. With the hurricane coming through last week, we lost power a couple of times briefly. And so by Wednesday night, every clock in the house was a different time. Now we've got a battery-powered cuckoo clock in the den, and it's been an hour fast all summer. And it's been cuckooing two times more than it's supposed to all summer and we've just learned to live with that but the old wall clock in the kitchen that plugs in the wall was reading two o'clock and the one on the stove was reading 11 30 and the cuckoo clock was cuckooing eight it was really 10 so we didn't know what time it was and i had to go get my phone out of the bedroom to see what time it was i did try to get them all back in sync yesterday finally and uh, got them all reading the right time. But it's so frustrating when you don't know what time it is. Where does the time go? You've probably said that, 
Where is the time gone? Boy, time flies. We've all said those things before. Listen to what somebody wrote, unknown author. It says this about time. He said, when, when as a child I laughed and wept, it seemed to me that time just crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, it seemed to me that time just walked. When I became a full-grown man, it seemed to me that time just ran. And later as I older grew, it seemed to me that time just flew. Soon I shall find while traveling on, the reality is that time will be gone. I don't know who wrote that, but that's so true. The longer we live, the faster it goes, it seems like. We need to know what time it is. And so this passage in Romans chapter 13 this morning that we'll read, Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome, to the church in Rome. With a very specific answer, he tells them what time it is. And I believe just in his day, over or nearly 2,000 years ago, his, his words to us ring true today, the same as they did back then. So let's read together, starting in Romans 13, chapter 13 and verse 11. Chapter 13 of Romans, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let's pray together. Father, open our hearts and minds this morning to the message that you would have us to hear. We ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to preach this message as you have laid it on my heart. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul is writing here to tell us what time it is. What time it is. And I think the first thing he would write, and first thing I want us to see here in verse 11, first bullet point, be conscious. Wake up, he says. Be awake. Wake up and be aware of the fact that our time to meet the Lord is closer today than it was yesterday. Each and every one of us that draws a breath gets closer to that time. The brevity of human life is something that we need to be mindful of. Life is short. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. James 4 and verse 14 says this. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We need to wake up. We need to be conscious of that fact. Our life is just a vapor. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 24. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, speaking of God, 
sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings peace, princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Our lives are short. We need to be conscious of that. Now, some of, some of us are going to live a full life and pass away and meet the Lord then. If the Lord comes back sooner, we'll meet Him in the air. Either way, we're going to meet Him. So, in light of this, Paul says, we need to realize it's time to wake up. Be conscious. The year was 1775. April 18th was the day. Darkness fell over the land and everybody went to bed. One man was up. He mounted his horse and he tore off across the Massachusetts countryside. Riding through different towns, through Somerville and Medford and Arlington, all the way to Lexington. Knocking on windows, knocking on doors, crying out, Wake up! The British are coming. The British are coming. That man was Paul Revere. And as he did that across the countryside and as others joined in in that effort, people lit lamps, men got their clothes on, got their musket, organized the militia, and they were ready for the British at Lexington and Concord. When the first shots were fired that morning at daylight in Lexington, the militia had gathered. And they were able, during the course of that day, to push the British back all the way to Boston. Would not have happened had it not been for Paul Revere's efforts telling people to wake up. The British are coming. The Apostle Paul tells the Romans here, wake up, Jesus is coming. He tells us, wake up, Jesus is coming. You know, if any of us knew that we wouldn't be here next week, we'd want to take every opportunity to do everything we could before it got here right, wouldn't we? Sure, sure we would. Paul says, Christian, it's high time to wake up. Verse 12 there of our text, he says, the night is almost over. The day is almost here. Ephesians 5 and verse 4 says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And then another passage of scripture from Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 says, arise Shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And we sing that song. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meeting in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Are you heavenward bound this morning? Are you heavenward bound? We need to make sure we're ready. We need to be conscious we need to wake up the second thing i think he would have us to see there look at verse first part of verse 12 and then verse 13 first part of verse 12 says the night is nearly over the day is almost here and then skip to verse 13 let us behave decently as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy. Not only do we need to be conscious 
Paul says in these verses, we need to be clean and behave. Be clean and behave. Now, in these verses, I get the mental image of somebody who's been out for a night on the town, partying wildly. He says there, in some versions, a night of carousing, drunkenness, orgies. I had to look carousing up. I didn't know what that meant. And it says, the activity of drinking alcohol with others in a noisy, lively way. Carousing. Sexual immorality, we all know what that is. And then, talks about debauchery. I had to look that one up. I kind of knew, but I wanted to make sure. Excessive indulgence in sensual, indulgence in sensual pleasures. So we get this mental image of somebody who's been out on the town. He's drunk. He smells like cigarette smoke and alcohol. He's been chasing women all night and he comes in and he knocks every picture off going down the hallway and just crashes on the bed in his dirty, smelly clothes and passes out. That's this image that I got when I thought about this. And Paul says we need to wake up. We need to sober up. We need to be conscious. We need to be clean and behave. As a child of God, we shouldn't be acting that way. Listen to Galatians 5. Verses 19 through 21. Paul writes to the Galatians, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to be clean and behave. So many times we forget that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. So many times we forget whose we are. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and for me because of our sin. Our sin put him there. You know, we're supposed to put away the old man. Put away the old habits, but they die hard sometimes. You can wash a sow and she's going to return to the mud. And we so often do. We, we get drugged back into things that we ought not to be. When you and I become a Christian, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we're given a new nature. Behold, old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. But Sometimes we don't allow that to happen. You know, in John chapter 8, it tells the story of the Pharisees bringing the woman who was caught in adultery. You remember the story. They, they said, Teacher, Moses' law says this woman is to be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. And they pressed him for an answer. And he said, Let him who was without sin cast the first stone. They began to peel off left and right. Soon they looked around, nobody was there but Jesus and this woman. And Jesus said, where are they? Is no one condemning you? And she said, no sir, they're all gone. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. When Jesus saves us, he tells us, go and sin no more. We're to lay it aside. Are you harboring some sin in your life? 
As I ask you that question, I have to ask myself that question as well. Is there something in my life, in your life, that we need to put aside? Sometimes we want to pick those dirty clothes back up, those dirty, smelly, rotten clothes, and put them back on. That's my favorite shirt. We want to put it back on. He says we need to be clean. We need to let go of it. Put it away. Put away the deeds of darkness, he says. And don't even think about it, verse 14, satisfying the, gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. Let me ask you a question. If someone has got a problem with alcohol and they're struggling with it, how much sense does it make to have a fifth of whiskey in the cabinet if you know that's a weakness for you? Maybe somebody's trying to quit smoking. How much sense does it make for you to keep a pack of cigarettes in a coat pocket in the closet when you're trying to quit? How much sense does it make for someone who's been in an extramarital affair to stay in contact with that person? None. Because in a moment of weakness, that bottle's going to call you, that cigarette pack's going to call you, that extramarital affair is going to call you. In a moment of weakness, you'll be tempted. Satan will drag us back in. Use those against us. God says, put away the deeds of darkness. We're in a battle. We need to put them away. Don't even think about them. Don't you let your time run out. Don't you let those trumpets sound and be caught in sin. Don't even think about it. Let it go. Put the deeds of darkness aside. Jesus says, go and sin no more. Be clean and behave, he says, in the power and strength of Jesus. Because we can't do it on our own. And then the third thing. We need to be conscious. We need to be clean and behave. And the third thing. We need to be clothed. Be clothed. Look at the second half of verse 12. It says, so... Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. And then verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We need to put on the armor of light, put on Jesus. We need to be clothed in Him. You can't just take off your dirty clothes and walk around and think everything's okay. Put on new clothes. Jesus got onto the Pharisees for being whitewashed tombs, looking good on the outside, inside they were filthy. It all comes by being clothed with Christ, have the same mind and heart as Christ. Be cleansed from the inside out and be clothed with Him. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6. So we talk about being put on the armor of light. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're to be clothed with the full armor of God, the armor of life. If you head into battle and you're ill-prepared, you're not going to make it very long. You've got to have a belt on to hold your pants up. You've got to have a helmet to protect your head. You've got to have a, a breastplate and a shield to protect your heart and your chest. You've got to have your feet protected. You've got to have the sword to fight back the Word of God. We need to be fully dressed. We have to be dressed. We have to be fully clothed with Jesus Christ if we want to stand against the devil's evil schemes. We can't live the Christian life without being clothed in Christ. Now maybe somebody listening to this message this morning realizes you've got a problem. And for the first time you've been awakened, you, you're conscious to the fact that your life is but a vapor. And you realize you've gotten it all wrong. You've been trying to stumble around in sin and try to make out like everything's okay. But on the inside, you know you're not right. Maybe you've tried to fool folks but you can't fool God. You can't fool yourself for very long. But you know you're living a life that's a lie and you're not really clothed with Christ. God sent me to tell you today that you can be the fourth thing, which is be saved. Romans 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus died for your sins and for my sins. He hung on that cross for you and for me. And you don't have to be a slave to your sin any longer. If you're struggling with some sin, you think, oh, I can't give that up. Yes, you can. Because with every temptation, God provides a way out, Scripture says. Paul wrote to the Romans to let them know what time it is. And he tells us through this passage today what time it is. They're a warning and an encouragement for us. We need to wake up. We need to be conscious. We need to be clothed and behave only in the power of Jesus. We need to be clean. We need to be saved by Jesus. Be conscious. Be clean. Behave. Be clothed and be saved. Would you do just that today? Would you come to Him by faith confessing your sins Jesus is tenderly calling. What will your answer be to him today? Let's pray. Father, help us to be just that. Help us to be conscious of the fact that we need to wake up. You're coming soon. And if, if you don't come to get us, we're coming to meet you at our death. We want to be ready, Lord. We want to be clean and behave. Help us to do that through your power. Clothe us with Christ, Lord, inside and out. And Father, save us for his sake. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.